Welcome to AI Chats, a podcast produced by the lawyers at Haynes and Boone in the AI and Deep Learning Group. I'm Hong Shi, counsel from the Austin office. As a proud graduate of University of Texas School of Law, today I'm excited to have Professor Susan Morse from UT Law joining us to discuss legal regulation for AI. While AI has the potential to transform and spur innovation across industry, there are concerns about potential misuses of AI. Do AI systems follow the law? What design choices can the law make to encourage legal compliance by robots? Professor Morse provides insights into these very important questions with her study with tax compliance robots, such as TurboTax, that actually many of us use. Before we dive into the discussion, our standard disclaimer. This podcast is for informational purposes only, is not intended to be legal advice, and does not establish an attorney-client relationship. The topics we discuss are subject to change. Legal advice to any nature should be sought from your legal counsel. Susan, great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. I'm looking forward to our talk. Thank you. I really enjoyed reading your paper in which you discussed legal regulation design choices for AI systems using observations from tax compliance robots. Maybe first you could help us to understand that among all the AI systems, why tax compliance robots are particularly useful for the study of legal intervention to AI systems. Yes, I think there are at least two reasons why I became interested in tax compliance robots like TurboTax. One reason is that they've been around for a long time, for decades. And so there's a lot of deep and long experience that the law has in observing what tax compliance robots do with the law. The second reason is that tax compliance robots show uh, a diversity of result in terms of whether or not they follow the law. And so we can sort their interactions with the law into different categories, compliance, non-compliance, and something in between, depending on how the TurboTax or other robots market incentives work. So as you mentioned, um, because of the relatively long history of the use of such uh, robots, we have seen recommendations on legal regulations for these uh, robots. Could you talk about some of those proposals? Sure, absolutely. And let me frame it by saying that uh, when AI is concerned with law, sometimes people have two different categories of thoughts about it from the legal scholarship perspective. One inclination is to think about robots as something like something else. This is called the law of the horse approach. The idea is that there's a body of law out there that we use to explain something that we know a lot about, like horses in the, in the case of the advent of the, of the car, and we can translate the law that applies to the old thing to apply to the new thing. That's the law of the horse category. 
Then there's a second category of uh, ways to think about AI or new technologies, which is not the law of the horse way, but is the idea that, no, this is really new. It's kind of the novelty approach. So in the case of tax compliance robots, there are some ideas that fall into the law of the horse category, and then there are some ideas that fall into the category of novelty. The law of the horse ideas imagine tax compliance robots as the new tax advisor, and they would seek to impose certain requirements that are applied to tax advisors, also um, in the case of the tax compliance robots, so that, for example, if a tax advisor aids or abets taxpayer fraud, or in some cases has reason to know that a taxpayer doesn't provide all of the relevant information, then the tax advisor can be on the hook for direct penalties or penalties relating to to the ability to practice before the IRS. Um, Or if positions are taken that are too aggressive, tax advisors can face penalties directly themselves. That's the law of the horse category. In the novelty category, there are ideas about using tax compliance robots because they are so central and key to the way that people file their tax returns now to do something that is uh, different. So that, for example, proposals to um, request the taxpayers regularly certify that they're telling the truth while they are filling out their tax return by having some kind of interaction with the software program or the robot. That's an example of something I would call kind of a novelty approach. It's not something that in the law of the horse way, the old tax advisor might have done, but it is something that is made possible by the new technology. So there are those two kinds of suggestions that are out there with respect to tax compliance robots. Very interesting. So are any of these um, ideas, either from the law of the horse category or the novelty category, actually um, have already been adopted by the law? What's the status of the law on regulating these robots? Neither category has been adopted in any significant form. So that means that the way that the law works, the legal relationship runs from, for example, TurboTax to the taxpayer. And it is a private law relationship, it's a a contract relationship. So that even though uh, a tax compliance robot is performing in some sense a core public law function, helping taxpayers comply with the law, a federal statute, a classic public law um, task, it's not, they're not heavily regulated by the federal government. Instead, their most important relationship is a contract relationship that runs directly to the taxpayer and has little to do with the government. Got it. So the current law appears to rarely impose any uh, direct liability on the robots for their legal violations. Yes, you're absolutely right about that. And and sometimes there are guarantees and that sort of thing that are um, made by the company in its contract to the taxpayer, the client. But those tend to be quite quite limited and um, subject to various exceptions. So there's not a lot of liability that, at least formally, the tax compliance robot bears. 
I see.、Um, in the paper, I saw that、um, you actually argued that some、uh, particular aspects of、uh, these tech software actually、uh, may encourage the robots to follow the law. Could you talk more about that? Yes, I think that with respect to to a, a large number of provisions of tax law, there appears to be. A strong incentive for tax compliance robots to follow the law, and this long, long list of tax provisions basically consists of all the provisions that say to you and to me how much tax we owe. We have so much wages or interest or dividends on the deduction side. We might have a mortgage interest deduction, a charitable deduction, and so forth. And all of the rules that govern that kind of substantive law. Seem to be followed very carefully by compliance robots,、um, and indeed, even when there is a publication that the government puts out that might take a somewhat conservative position, a position that doesn't necessarily allow a taxpayer to push to the full extent of the case law. Say, even in that case, typically, the software program will. Hew to the government guidance, and will、uh, you know it will be consistent with the the more conservative position. And I think that's because the、um, folks who create the software have become persuaded that the market responds to a low risk product, that their product will be the most successful if they can confidently say that a taxpayer. Who uses it won't be audited, which is kind of interesting. Given that the audit rate is so low, one percent, you might think the taxpayers actually want a product that will allow them to take reasonable positions, even if those positions are sometimes aggressive. And if you really looked at them, maybe they wouldn't hold up in court. But that's not how the software business model appears to work. Instead, it appears that the product、um, offering is safety. Safety from audit. I mean, that's consistent with my personal preference. I really、yeah. am、uh, audit averse. <laughs>、yeah. uh, I don't want、uh, to be audited at all. So I,、right. that makes completely sense to me. The software、um, developer's choice、uh, mm-hmm. really makes sense to me. So、um, you talked about how you know they follow the law or. Over comply with the law, but are there areas or、uh, cases when the robots actually violate the law? I I believe that there are.、Uh, I don't. I think that the state that the law is at on this point is at an allegation stage, but the evidence is quite powerful. the The point where the violations of the law appear to occur happens, not surprisingly. In cases where the tax compliance robots' market incentives run contrary to the law, so as we just talked about in the case of what's the substantive tax law,、um, the, the 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 robots and companies they they know their audience, know that there are folks, and、uh, as you just said, folks who would prefer to avoid audit at all costs. They want a safe tax return. But here's a, an example of a situation where. Tax compliance robots incentives run contrary to the law. The example is upselling, 
and upselling in particular with respect to uh, tax return preparation that's offered to lower income taxpayers under the IRS's so-called free file program. And what is um, the the program is a, uh, a an approach that the IRS has actually a memorandum of understanding that the IRS has with different software developers. And the MOU says we, the IRS will not develop a program that allows low-income taxpayers to file for free because you, the software developers, TurboTax and others, have agreed to do so. And the agreement says it has various requirements that the software developers are supposed to follow. They're supposed to actually provide the software for free. If they can't provide a service the taxpayer wants for free, so they're supposed to derive, drive, uh, direct the taxpayer back to the free file sort of landing page so that the taxpayer can find another um free file option. They're not supposed to use taxpayer data. Uh, But both because of information that's in the company's own securities filings and also that's been reported on, including by ProPublica, it seems quite clear that indeed upselling is very common and the use of customer data, not only to perform the task requested, but to try to get people to, to get out of the free file program and into a more expensive pay-for product is something that companies do all the time. Assuming they do that and they use confidential data and they otherwise uh, viol- uh, d- depart from the uh, free file MOU, that's a legal violation. They're violating the law. And I think that the explanation simply is that's the market incentive. That also makes a lot of sense uh, considering the market incentive. Mm-hmm. So another uh, question, I guess, um, you know, while a lot of users are like me, uh, they really want a safe return. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, does the software do anything to address uh, user fraud? This is, I believe, the, the most interesting element of the um, of the tax compliance robot user or taxpayer relationship. Because I think that the way that the software is designed does subtly encourage some fraud. It's not as easy to describe it or pin it down as compared to the two examples we just talked about, about the substantive tax law and the free file piece. Um, So the idea is that certain features of the software, for example, the ability to go in and say, increase a charitable deduction and observe that the tax due goes down or the refund goes up or the ability to go in and adjust an item of self-employment income, say, that's not reported on a 1099 up or down, that will change the the tax due or the refund. So uh, the idea is a subtle tax software design point. Perhaps it is the case that merely by showing constantly how a particular input affects the tax due or refund that would uh, would be coming, there is just in that design itself an invitation 
to lie that is not there otherwise. That the design has this subtle feature that makes possible or facilitates lying simply by showing people that the amount of tax due can go down if they lie or the refund can go up. That's all uh, very interesting. Uh, you have give us the background and observation on how, you know, the robots' legal decisions actually are pretty diverse based on different um, user cases. And right. with that, I guess um, that can bring us to our next question. What um, are the implications of the legal design for AI systems like these uh, tax compliance robots? What should we do? So in your paper, um, you mentioned that, you know, there are two questions um, that the law faces. One is control and one is penalties. So um, maybe you can help us to um, explore the uh, First question, the control question first. To what extent, uh, you know, when we regulate, will the law control or direct the decisions taken by the robots? I think that we observe in what's on the ground now that the law, a specific category of the law, the IRS government guidance, does control certain decisions taken by the robots, in particular, those substantive tax law decisions about how amounts of income and deduction relate to each other and produce an amount of tax due or to be refunded. Um, so that actually is an example of a particular segment of the tax law. Again, the government guidance, which is not all of it. TurboTax is not particularly good necessarily at understanding case law nuance, but it's very good at understanding IRS guidance, that that is a, a measure of, of control. Um, some people advocate that there should be much greater control, and in particular that the government should adopt a system that the government runs. There's the ready return approach that had been a proposal for a long time in California, for example, Different other countries also use government preparation. So that's an example of much greater government control of robots. Well, there's a trade-off because we all have experienced government software and private market software. And in general, I think I would say in my experience, the private market software is better along a number of dimensions, is easier to use, for example, is less likely to fail. So there is a trade-off there that, that needs to be considered, I think. Um, the other question, which has to do with penalties, is about holding centralized robots responsible for violations of law. And this, I think, is a challenging question, um, partly because, as we've just talked about, the robot may follow the law in some cases, may even overcomply in some cases, and may violate the law in other cases. So if we have a, a view that because the robot is central and it's a really tempting uh, target for enforcement, if we just can, 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 can put penalties on the robot, it's so integral to all kinds of tax compliance. That's a really good, efficient, centralized way to make sure things are legal. 
Well, if we push on, if you get the substantive law wrong, TurboTax are going to have to pay, then it seems to me they're going to get even less aggressive, even more conservative. I'm not sure that's actually the right answer because taxpayers perhaps want to be able to have the opportunity to take positions that are reasonable and perhaps some do want to challenge them in court if appropriate. Um, On the other hand, with respect to the free file stuff, that seems to be a case where the market incentive and the robot incentive is so opposed to the law that you really do want greater enforcement. One more point. When a robot violates the law, I think it's useful to observe that sometimes the robot violates the law and the user's incentives are consistent with the robots. That's the fraud case. Presumably, if TurboTax subtly encourages fraud, that helps users because they have a lower tax bill and then they like TurboTax more and they stick with it. Sometimes, though, the interests are opposed. And that is the case, for example, with the example of free file, because the lower income taxpayers who seek to use TurboTax for free do not want to be upsold. They'd rather get the software for free. That's what the government wants too. So in the fraud case, the taxpayers are not going to go after TurboTax. It's really the government that has to step in and try to seek penalties. In the free file case, we do see some promise from a strategy that gives not only the government, but also some private parties rights to challenge and sue that robot or software program that stands in the middle of things. And we have seen that in the TurboTax case with various suits, particularly under state law consumer protection provisions. So there's, uh, I think that overall, uh, for better or worse, it's complicated. Sometimes more enforcement against legal compliance robots would be appropriate. And sometimes it might not be. That all makes a lot of sense. Um, I mean, tax is complicated. And as you have explained, uh, we usually have three participants in this drama of tax compliance, the government, the robot, and me, the taxpayer, the user. So while all the legal regulations of the robots are still developing, what advice would you give uh, to our listeners, uh, including myself, when we use these uh, to prepare our tax returns? I think that TurboTax tends to be, and related programs tend to be reliable with simple things, with wage income, simple investment income, simple deductions. But I guess I would say that if someone has an issue that is a little bit more complicated, and I have two in the paper, um, and uh, one actually is uh, has to do with um, blood plasma donations. Another has to do with the allocation of mortgage interest and property taxes for a vacation home. Those are a little bit more complicated. If one had an issue that was a little bit more complicated, I would just think about whether the issue is big enough uh, that you maybe want to seek advice other than TurboTax. If 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 it's unusual enough and it's big enough, I'm not sure the tax software is the right place to go. And of course, uh, 
don't lie on your taxes. <laughs> Thank you. That all makes a lot of sense.、Um, I will pay attention, especially to those more complicated issues next time when I、uh, file my tax return when considering using the robots. And that concludes our episode today,、uh, Susan. Thank you so much, and it's been a great pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you very much. The pleasure was mine. And、uh, again, thanks to our listeners for listening today. We've had the pleasure of meeting with Professor Susan Morse from UT Law to talk about tax compliance robots and legal regulation for AI systems. If you have feedback or questions, you can find our contact information at hainsboon.com. Have a great day. <music>